This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Kind of a strange experience this morning. I was golfing with my buddy Renfrew. Good guy. And Renfrew is a pretty outgoing guy, loves playing around a golf. So we're out there smacking it around a little bit. But I noticed Renfrew not nearly as outgoing as, as usually. Seemed a little, I don't know, uh, out of sorts, a little, a little down in the dumps, a little melancholy. So after, you know, the third or fourth hole, I kind of gently say to him, Renfrew, my man, like uh, something going on? You don't seem like yourself today. And he's like, well, Reed, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked. I, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but I want I to tell you what happened. I'm like, okay, Renfrew, what, what's going on? And uh, so Renfrew has, uh, has a wife uh, named Amanda. And, uh, and Renfrew says, well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Amanda and I got just talking about some stuff. And uh, we just started kind of going down a bit of a weird path. And it, anyway, it, it led to me asking her that uh, I said, if something happened to me, would, would you remarry? And he says, and, you know, she kind of avoided the question, but it, it, it kind of just it just stuck in my head. So he, he, so Renfrew says he brought it up a couple of days later, and she deflected it again, and then he kept bringing it up. And finally Amanda says, well, yes, Renfrew, I suppose if something happened to you, that, yeah, I would, you know, I, 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 I would remarry. Yeah, sure. So he's like, okay, well, you know, that's, 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 that's uh, I guess, you know, he, he says, I guess if I wasn't around, that's, uh, you know, her, her prerogative to do that. But he, it kept kind of gnawing at him and what, you know, her life would, would look like without him around. So he said a couple of days later, he says, so Amanda, you know, you said you, you'd, you'd remarry if something happened to me, uh, you know, with, with your new husband, would, would, would you use, would you use, you know, our bed? Would that be the, the bed you would share with, with your new husband? And he's, and he says, Amanda says, well, I, I, I suppose, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a perfectly good bed. I mean, I wouldn't have to go out and, and get a new bed. I suppose. Yeah. We, I still use the, the bed that we're, we're sleeping in. So Renfrew says, okay, so it, it, he says it keeps gnawing at him. And, and a couple of days later, uh, Renfrew goes to Amanda and says, okay, so if, uh, you know, if we've established that if something happened to me, you'd remarry and, uh, and you and your new husband would, would use the bed that we're currently using. Um, you, you know, if would, sometimes we, we golf together, would you, would you golf with, the, with your new husband? And, and if so, would you let him use my golf clubs? And Amanda says, well, no, he's left-handed. So that was my round of golf with Renfrew this morning. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is Inside Sports on Oilers and Elks Radio 630. Chad, we have uh, a few things to get through. We got the latest uh, COVID updates affecting your world of sports. Aren't you thrilled to hear about that? OEG announcing a vaccination policy today. And uh, also a little bit more coming out about the Edmonton Elks and some comments made today to uh, TSN's Dave Naylor by Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. We're going to break down some of the key points from him as well. We will uh, we will have some fun on the show as well. We're going to do our trivia question in a little while here. We want to send you and three people out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs. Uh, I got a, kind of a fun question today. It is not a golf question. I did say we, yesterday we had a question about Jordan Baker, where he went to high school. 
uh, first caller knew it was indeed Harry Ainley. I think that was, uh, was that a Glenn that called in? I can't remember. But anyway, we had the winner yesterday. Uh, we, got a, we, we got an NHL question today for the golf trivia to give away the golf passes. I, it, it, is, it is a good one. I, I think it might require some research for some of you, but you know, we got a pretty knowledgeable hockey audience. Somebody might know it right off the top of the head. So we'll, uh, we'll probably do that in the first hour of the show. Doug Brown's going to hop on to Taya Jay and Jeff Tobert, the head coach of the Edmonton Huskies, all coming up tonight. All right. So here is the deal. Here is the deal with the Oilers Entertainment Group. The, uh, and I think we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of some of the details. And I should emphasize here, there are still more details to come. There are still more details to come. Uh, but the the general framework has been announced by OEG. And there will some thing, uh, be some things that have to be sorted out. But they they did as expected follow uh, follow suit with what other NHL teams and some CFL teams in the country are doing that uh, starting with the Oilers first preseason game that is on September 28th so a little over a month away uh, fans 12 and older are going to have to do one of two things to uh, come to a game at Rogers place number one proof of vaccination received at least 14 days before the day of the game uh, OEG saying either electronic or paper records will be acceptable or uh, a fan over 12 coming to the game will have to provide a negative COVID-19 test result taken within 48 hours of the game's scheduled start time. So it can't be a negative test from uh, a month ago. It has to be one in the uh, 48 hours before the game. So those are the two basics. Now, you may be saying to yourself, but read. What about this? What about this? What 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 if what if what if what if? I get it, and uh, it's my understanding today that OEG received several uh, what if calls to their office or questions about clarity or what exactly does this mean? And uh, OEG is fielding those questions, and they're going to iron them out, and there will be a further, more detailed announcement. Uh, obviously before se- September 28th. I don't know the exact date that that'll be. And some of those questions it, it could include, okay, you, you want to, neg- I'm not vaccinated. I got to provide a negative test to go to a game. Where do I go? Well, I think OEG is going to look into that and probably have some uh, recommended places you could go to get a test. What if somebody is coming in from out of the province? And, and look, I know there might be some questions about interprovincial travel or, or how likely that's going to be. But, um, you know, as this goes along, we'll see what happens. Uh, Manitoba, for instance, you know, to go to a Bombers game, uh, you, you got to have uh, Manitoba approval, Manitoba vaccination. I, I think OEG would still like to welcome fans from out of province if they can come. So, you know, th- things like that th- that are coming up. Th- those are the questions that they're being asked. I'm sure you might have other questions. If you're a, if you're a season seat holder and uh and have questions or have feedback i i would i would advise you to get in touch with oeg it's it's my understanding they fielded uh, a lot of calls today and took a lot of questions and a lot of feedback so that's the place to go uh but again when oeg announces more we'll have it for you on 630 shed and on inside sports but that is what uh came out today again we touched on this last night with calgary uh putting it out there i, I think we were we're pretty sure that this was coming in some form from orders entertainment group this is a policy that will be in place indefinitely in in the press release it says for the foreseeable future um now i, I was told today indefinitely does not mean forever 
it, it, and maybe it won't be a long time. Indefinitely means an indefinite ending. But, uh, you know, I, I was told that this is, this is not going to be a permanent thing at Rogers Place. They're also requiring all employees, volunteers, contractors be fully vaccinated uh, against COVID-19 with a Health Canada-approved vaccine or combination of vaccines with uh, at least 14 days prior to September 28th. So that is the, uh, the nuts and bolts from OEG today. And uh, again, more information, more clarity to come on that as we move on down the road toward the season. September 28th is the Oilers' first preseason game. So that's when this is truly going to take effect for people wanting to go to Rogers Place and check out a game. Now, as for the latest on the Edmonton Elks, here's what we can tell you. Uh, the, The Elks were originally not going to put out an, an update today, but Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL, in an interview with Dave Naylor on TSN, put out some information on his own, which the Elks confirmed and clarified. So uh, two more positive tests for the Elks. That is 11 total from this batch. Remember, they had a couple earlier in the season. So five positives from the tests on Saturday, four more from tests on Sunday, and two more from tests on Monday. Players are being tested throughout the day today. The results of those announced uh, at a later date wouldn't surprise me if maybe we get some sort of an update tomorrow, Uh, but we'll see about that. So that's the latest. Uh, Five of the positives from Saturday, uh, four from Sunday, and two more from tests taken Monday. So so that's the update. The results of the tests taken today have not yet been announced. Hopefully there are uh, no more positive tests. The, The fact remains... Uh, well, I'll call it the I'll call it the speculation remains rather than the fact. I'll be a little careful here, but the speculation remains that it is unlikely that the Elks are going to play a game before Labor Day. If you look at the facility being shut down for seven days, the concerns uh, that the league has, all those types of things, I think the most likely scenario is that the Elks' next game is Labor Day Monday. At Calgary, I I brought it up on the show yesterday. The worst case scenario is that the game against Toronto is forfeited and the Elks would be slapped with a 1-0 loss for the game. Now, in that interview with Dave Naylor, Randy Ambrosi said, we are working on rescheduling the game as soon as possible. He says stadium availability is an issue. They got to look at the schedule of the two teams. They don't have a matching bye week where you can just stuff the game in and say, okay, neither team was going to play in week 12 or whatever, so we put the game there. Uh, they need approval from the Players Association, those types of things. So easier said than done to just reschedule the game. And as I touched on the show last night, uh, if you're the Argos, are you going to bend over backwards to reschedule the game? I mean, I'm sure you'd like the home date, but you don't want to mess up your whole schedule and probably play a bunch of games in a short time frame. And I would assume other teams are saying, well, wait a minute, why do we have to move around a whole bevy of games to accommodate what happened with the Elks? So again, could be rescheduled. I I doubt it's going to be rescheduled before Labor Day and the possibility it is going to be a forfeit for the Elks. We'll see. And uh, Randy Ambrosi also said the, uh, the number one priority for him is to get players vaccinated and to follow the protocols. He did say of the 11 Elks positive cases, the majority are unvaccinated players. He did not give a specific breakdown, but he said the majority are uh, unvaccinated. So another thing to consider here, Randy Ambrosi 
says that the uh, the CFL is operating under the assumption that the federal government is going to ban unvaccinated people from traveling on airplanes. And Randy Ambrosi said, I do not believe charter flights will be exempt from this. So uh, hypothetical BC Lions uh, make the Grey Cup. They got to fly to Hamilton for the game. They're going to take a charter. They have some unvaccinated players. Well, you're not going on the plane. So there, there's another thing to uh, consider. Boy, oh boy, I feel like this must just be the biggest downer of a show to listen to. I'm really sorry, everybody. Having to talk about canceled games, COVID tests, having to show, you know, proof of vaccination to, to get into a, a hockey arena. Uh, I hear you, but I got to bring you the news. And and this is the news, like it, well, I assume nobody likes uh, likes hearing this news. But, but that is the latest word from the CFL. Working on rescheduling the Elks Argos game. Uh, majority of the 11 Elks with positive tests are unvaccinated players, and the federal government, uh, Randy Ambrosi, operating under the assumption that unvaccinated players will not be able to travel on airplanes. Games within Ontario, going up to Montreal, you, you can probably figure something out. West, a little more spread out. East-West games, clearly going to present the problem. So that's the general COVID update from today. Thanks for bearing with me through that. Of course, you can always get in touch. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You can email insidesports at 630shed.com. The phone number is 780-496-0063. That is the hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials. I'm going to lighten the mood now with the trivia question. So this is for 630Chad to send you and three friends or enemies or a combination of the two out for a day of golf at Edmonton Springs Golf. First person to answer the question correctly live on air is going to get the four golf passes. Now, I, I, I've stopped doing this recently where I spring the question on the first caller live on air. So I'm going to give you the question now. Kellen will take your calls and cue you up in order, and then you can give me your answer live on air. So you'll have a couple minutes to think about it. It is a hockey question. That's kind of a fun one. I said we might do something weird yesterday. It's, it's, it's not weird, but it's kind of a fun one. The NHL started keeping track of shots on goal in 1959. Who is the NHL all-time leader, the career leader in regular season shots on goal? Which NHL player since 1959 has taken more shots on goal than anyone else? I, I won't give a hint. I think somebody's going to know it. 780-496-0063. We'll give away the golf passes when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in. So the NHL started keeping track of shots on goal in the 59-60 season. So who is the NHL's career leader in regular season shots on goal? I have uh, got this information straight from the NHL website. I did just make it up or guess. Uh, 7804960063. Robin is on the line. Robin, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for calling in for the trivia segment. Do you consider yourself a student of hockey history? I suppose, yes, and you're welcome. Okay, 
<laughs> Good answer. Who is the NHL's career leader in shots on goal? It is not Gordie Howe. That's a really good guess, Robin. Uh, I figured we'd have uh, some guesses along those lines. It is not Gordie Howe. So we have a couple of Ryans here. Uh, first of all, the Ryan who is in line two, or online. You're not in the line, Ryan. You're on the line. Uh, Ryan, NHL career leader in regular season shots on goal. Who do you think? Well, now it's not Gordie Howe, so <laughs> I'd probably I'd go down to Yarmir Yager. Yarmir Jagger is third. That's an excellent guess, but you just missed it. Thanks for listening, though, man. Have a great evening. You too. All right. That, the Jager, Jager was a good guess. He's third. A couple of guys ahead of him. So we'll go to Doug on line three. Doug, who do you think regular season leader, shots on goal? Well, now, now I'm thinking flip-flopping back and forth because I'm thinking 80s. Now I'm thinking the obvious one who's still playing. I'm going to go off the board, and I'm going to go... Uh, is it that defenseman? I'm going to go with the defenseman, Reed. I'm going to go with, uh, he played a long time, Ray Bork. You got it, Doug. It's Ray Bork. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice going. That's okay. You know, just because of the 80s, I, I, you know what? It was a shooting gallery, right? Well, and uh, he, how, didn't he have 19 in that game against Ron Tugnut and the Nordiques? I think he had 19 of the 83 shots. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, other, guess was, my other guess was Ovechkin because he's obviously. And Ovechkin's right? second. So you you got oh, the top go. two. Okay, Doug, that's great work. Stay on the line, okay? Well, do, do you golf? Are you a regular golfer? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hacker and I'm a whacker, so. Okay, well, you can play golf. for free at Edmonton Springs with some buddies, so how's that, that sound? That, that's good. I'll get my, I'll get my uh, money's worth. There you go. Okay, Doug, hang on the line. So Ray Bork is indeed the NHL all-time leader in shots on goal. Uh, I, I want to go back to this and maybe break down some of the, the top guys and where some of the Oilers legends figure in. Doug Brown is coming up as well. We're giving away more passes tomorrow. I wish everybody could win, but we can only do one per day. It's Inside Sports on Chet. get more on the uh, OEG announcement on the uh, Elks latest COVID situation by going to 630Ched or globalnews.ca. The uh, headlines, OEG announcing a vaccination policy for Rogers Place. It starts September 28th. Either you have to be double vaccinated or you have to provide a negative COVID-19 test taken within 48 hours of the game start time. Two more Elks uh, positive tests announced today. That is 11 since... uh, since Saturday morning, again, the game in Toronto, of course, not happening on Thursday. It may not. Uh, I, I don't think it'll happen before Labor Day. We'll see if it happens at all. Some of the uh, need-to-know stuff there. Canada at the Women's World Hockey Championship, right near the end of the third period. Up uh, at Kellen, do you have the game on? It's five nothing leading Swiss, so they're going to win. Yeah. If it's 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 almost over, or it is over. Yeah, I do not, but uh, yeah. The- it's right, it's right, I, I just got an update online here, but it's right near the end. So Canada's going to win to go to 3-0. Blue Jays, not a good night for them. It is uh, 5-0 for the White Sox in the bottom of the fifth. Well, I always love talking to this gentleman. I uh, tweeted out his uh, appearance on the show tonight, introducing him as a CFL and NFL legend. 
I know he will not argue with that. He also covers the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for our sister station, CJOB. It is Doug Brown checking in tonight. Doug, how have you been? I've been all right, my friend. How have you been? It's been too long. It's been far too long. We were robbed of a season last year, which means the uh, two or three visits you and I have to uh, get to have on the radio didn't happen. But I, I appreciate you hopping on tonight because I always enjoy your stories and, uh, and, and your perspective. I, I do think it is fair to say. Now, I know, I know you're a confident yet modest man. But I do think it is certainly fair to call you a Canadian Football League legend. Are you comfortable with that? Yeah. <laughs> uh. It's all about the eye of the uh, eye of the beholder and, and the perspective, right? But uh, I was very fortunate to be on some very very good teams with uh, uh, you know one franchise and a lot of great coaching. And uh, like you said, it's a pretty arbitrary discussion to uh, anoint anybody as such. But uh, it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I get pretty uncomfortable when I talk about situations like that. But uh, thank you for taking me there. I, I don't know what to say. I, I've heard it on occasion, but it's not my uh, how people address me regularly. But I appreciate it nonetheless, my friend. Okay, well, seven-time CFL uh, All-Star. You won. You were the most outstanding Canadian in 2001. Okay, so I'll, let me ask you that though. When it comes to some of the individual accolades, did did you care? Did you even notice if you were a, a named a CFL All-Star? Was there ever a, a little bit extra in, in the contract? Like, well, while you're playing, do you even care if you make an All-Star team? Or is it just like, yeah, I'll remember the season if we won the Grey Cup or not? That's all I care about. Yeah, you know, um, initially, I think when I came to the CFL, I, I certainly had uh, incentives for, you know, top Canadian and uh, whether I was a divisional all-star, league all-star or, you know, defensive player of the year nominee for my, my team. And then eventually uh, <laughs> you move up the pay scale and the pay ranks and uh, they just assume that if you're going to make that much money, you better be on them. So. Um, that's when they took the incentives out and they're like, yeah, we're paying you X amount of dollars. Um, it's expected that you're going to be on this list. So, you know, uh, you better just make it happen kind of thing. That's when, (laughs) that's when it it got more difficult. So I was like, Oh, okay. With this new, uh, signing bonus and deal I, I got, it's just implied that you better be in the running for several of those things. If you wish to continue, to make a living at this uh, at this salary range, so it was it was interesting how that went. So so once you you prove your excellence, there is no bonus for being excellent. That's just part of the. Well, st- now if you want okay. to continue, let's put it that way. If if you want to get paid like you're a good player, you better they have expectations that you better do that year in and year out. So early in my career, it was a nice little. Actually, it was uh, it was five thousand dollars per. Uh, little nominee. So if I was a Canadian nominee for the team, I'd get five. If I was defensive, I'd get five. If I was divisional, I'd get five. If I was the league, I got five. And then if I got league all-star for Canadian, that might have been 10 or something like that. So it used to be it was like so much fun because you'd get these checks you weren't expecting. And then they just took all those away from me and they said, yeah, you just better continue getting these if you want to continue to get paid by us. So there you go. Right, because they can always find someone cheaper and younger, right? Is that yeah, one of the yeah, sayings in go. pro That's football? Yeah, the game of the game. That's the name of the game, my friend. So initially it was oh. a lot of fun, but it, uh, it it wore off. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. I, Doug, I hate to do this to some extent, but I think you'll understand why I'm doing it. And you and I don't talk ahead of time. We just come on and we, we tell stories and we see where we're going to go. Yeah, you did we bring up a dog. From the hip. 
You, you did bring up a dollar amount when it comes to bonuses. Are you uh -huh. comfortable sharing the your salary, the highest salary you ever made in the Canadian Football League or a ballpark? In the Canadian even? Football League, the highest salary I ever made. Um, I mean, I don't want to be specific. I would say, I'll, I'll tell you, it was north of 200. So let's put it oh, that really? way. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Now, okay. Now, again, you were <laughs> one of the best players at your position in your when you were in your prime, which lasted a long time. Well, I so, hope so. Otherwise, I was being uh, paid excessively or, or <laughs> over, <laughs> over, <laughs> overrated or something. You know what? I was just happy to be making it. So I didn't concern myself with the comparatives. I was just like, okay. It was uh, honestly, if you make that kind of money in the, in the CFL and you're not a quarterback, let me tell you. You uh, you got to put some work in. You got to go earn it. That's for sure. I I never felt like oh I can just kick back and uh, just count the count the zeros right. So it was uh, it was quite an obligation. Okay. Well, no, I I appreciate you sharing that because it is uh, it is I think that's notable. I think fans would be interested in that. We know that the CFL um, you know is not the, the the league south of the border where uh, you know you can be a backup quarterback and have a nest egg for retirement I mean it's it's a different uh, it's a different animal but but obviously you did pre yeah. pretty well um, okay so when you when you what like you're what six eight and how how much did you what was your prime weight when you played uh, in, the, in the CFL or the NFL in the CFL CFL, my prime weight, I would say I probably played my best at 285, 290. Okay, so 6'8", about 285, 290 uh, mm -hmm. on the defensive line. Now, and I know offensive linemen are also big human beings, but how, yeah. how would guys try to block you? Like, you're, you're a big guy. You take up a lot of space. You're also, you're also quick. I mean, you didn't just stand there and plug the middle. You, you could get to the quarterback. H how would teams try to block you? Like, were you always double teamed? Would, would they put another tall, big guy on you? How, how did teams <laughs> defend you? Uh, it depends on the team and obviously depends on run or pass, but um, in run situations, uh, I, I did face a lot of doubles. Um, some teams would rotate guys in against me and then uh, against the pass, I got a lot of what are called uh, strong sets or jump sets. So um, I, I would think my we my weakness was, you know, it, it took me a bit to get going once I got my limbs going, my long limbs and everything going. Um, once I got some uh, momentum, uh, it was a little bit harder to stop. But uh, so guys would try and, you know, really uh, jump me, uh, strong set me initially off the snap of the ball to, to, to try and thwart any momentum I could get, try to pin me on the, on the line of scrimmages as soon as possible. And if it's in a run or pass scenario, you know, that can bring you pause as a defensive lineman because it kind of looks, when you strong set somebody in a passing situation, you kind of feel like they're playing the run against you. So um, it was easier to defeat if it was, say, second and nine. You, you knew it was going to be a, a passing scenario. But say it was second and medium, you're like, whoa, this could be a run. So I would say that was the most effective uh, way. And it's it's hard, right, because uh, – uh, Especially, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's a tough read initially, and then you can, you know, if you time it right, you can really whiff a guy. So it's a high risk maneuver for an offensive lineman. But guys that were good at it, uh, I would say that was an effective way for sure. Okay, so as a defensive lineman, I, mm -hmm. I, I love asking these types of questions, Doug, because I, I think me, like probably a lot of people listening, can't actually 
like we can imagine it what it's like to be down on the field playing but we you know our imagination probably doesn't match reality a lot of times how many how many moves did you have in your bag like i know kind of like sw- like swim move power move i don't know what they're all yeah. like but how many how many moves did you have in your bag where you're like I you know, I, 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 <laughs> I had lots of moves but they weren't all effective let's put it that right. way so <laughs> um you know one of the most respected defensive line coaches i ever had said hey if you want to be uh, a, a decent a somewhat effective pass rusher he's like you need a go-to move and you need a counter move off of that that's right you really only need two moves but you better be really good at those moves in order to be effective right so uh you can't just uh you know, the guy you're going against can't play play you for uh, you know something he's predicting every single snap. So I had I had a decent uh, quick swim move, and I had some good uh, power moves. And uh, I would say that was about it. I, I could swim off of power, I could bull rush, and I could do a quick swim, which I had to do um, since guys were jumping me on the line of scrimmage all the time. And every now and then I'd throw a, a rip with a, a counter or a spin or something like that out of it, but those weren't my those weren't my staples. So I like to grab guys' uh, wrists, and uh, because most of the guys I'd play against were shorter than me, I'd like to grab their wrists, and it was called kind of a forklift move is what I called it. And so you'd grab their wrists and you'd lift them up in the air, and uh, you'd get them off balance that way. And that was a pretty effective move for me as well. Yeah, that sounds like being lifted off the ground might make it tough to block. Doug Brown joining inside on Inside Sports. So, so at your height, if you knew it was a pass, and this, Doug, I'll, I'll, this might be the stupidest question I've ever asked you, but I want to throw it out there. At your height, did you and, and you knew the other team's passing, like you said, there's a second and nine. Did you ever think, to heck with it, I'm just going to make the guy think I'm coming and I'm just going to jump up and bat the ball down. I'm just going to hang back and bat it down. You know, that was the absolute weakness of my game was okay. for as tall as I was, I was terrible at batting down footballs. I was always so caught up. Like, uh, I don't know. I always wanted to beat the guy in front of me so bad. I, I was rarely paying attention to, like, the throwing uh, cadence of, of the quarterback and getting in uh, the passing lanes and such. I just, I want to get hit on the quarterback. I want to get sacked on the quarterback. I want to get in the backfield. So that was really, if I could play... Uh, all over again that's that's what definitely what i would re-emphasize because i should have been much better at that than i was that's for sure okay doug brown joining us then at inside sports uh telling you some tales from his uh career on the blue bombers defensive line he's now in the bombers broadcast booth for cgob who what offensive lineman provided you with the most irritation (laughs) most irritation wow i'll I'll put it that way politely yeah i mean uh, first guy comes to mind uh probably dominic picard provided me i mean he was on my team at one point so he used to irritate the heck out of me when he was like in toronto and such and who else would irritate i don't think i really got i don't know most guys didn't get under my skin he was one of the few guys that actually tried you know that did some dirty stuff maybe after the whistle or whatever but i mean i had uh i have respect for for dominic and how we we still get along to this day but he was really the only one in the cfl i think that comes to mind that uh would would uh maybe have me paying attention to doing some extracurricular uh activities with him after the whistle kind of thing uh, a little payback or or i'd have to be mindful of how i was playing against him 
Okay. Uh, let, let's touch on, on the current CFL. I always love going, uh, getting tales from your career. I'm going to ask you this one. And, um, you know, it's one thing that, uh, you know, fans sort of say to me and maybe might uh, turn some people off at times. Why aren't there more points being scored in the CFL? I, I know there have been some close, <laughs> exciting games, but we yeah. haven't seen a lot of 38-32 or anything like that. Yeah, you know, it's because offenses I haven't haven't been on the field for, for two years. I think people underestimate the kind of timing and the precision that it takes to run an offense very, very well. Uh, it, it's it's a highly underrated aspect. Uh, it, it, it's very difficult being on the same page, getting those those margins for errors in terms of an incomplete play or an explosive play down the field. I mean, they're just they're so razor thin. So it's uh, it's uh, it's a combination of that and, and you know the, the 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 layaway and then obviously obviously the defense too when you. Uh, come back initially after a layoff like this, the defense is always early in the year. They're always ahead of the offense because it's so much easier just to be disruptive and, and to get in the backfield and such. And nobody's had any live reps or live bullets for so long. So it's a combination of that. You know, the, the timing stuff isn't there for the offense. And the fact that defenses are notorious for being strong out of the gate just because of the nature of what we're doing and how it's to counter any flow or continuity that an offense has. I believe that despite what happened to Winnipeg on the weekend, that Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are the two best teams in the league. Uh, I asked somebody earlier this week who's third. Uh, they said Toronto. Uh, what yeah. do you think? Are those are those the top three teams, or, or you know, did Winnipeg drop down a bit in your estimation after the, the loss on the road? Well, I mean, Winnipeg's playing without. Andrew Harris, which was pretty much, you know, nothing on offense used to happen without Andrew Harris, right? Like he has, he had the most uh, catches last year. He obviously won the Russian title for the second time in a row. He's got the most yards from scrimmage. He gets the most touches on offense. So he hasn't played at all this year. He's uh, obviously the best player on that offense. He hasn't been involved at all. And their number one receiver, Darvin Adams, just came back. But then, you know, a number two guy for them, Nick Dembski, got hurt uh, before the game against Toronto. So I think uh, they're a very good team. And if Harris, when he returns, if he returns to any uh, approximation of the form he had last year, I mean, they're going to be very, very good offensively. And, uh, and when the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense has a juggernaut of an offense like that, you know, they play complementary football and then they play very well as well. We, we've seen in the first two games, at least of the year, I mean, they only gave up 13 points. And if you go back to the playoff run, I mean, it's it's just been ridiculous how they've been able to, uh, to limit uh, offenses they've been facing. So I, I agree with you. I think... Uh, I haven't seen Winnipeg play all the teams in the CFL yet, obviously, but I have seen every team play, and uh, I do agree that uh, top three right now, uh, Toronto looks very good, Saskatchewan looks good, and uh, I I agree that Winnipeg should be in that mix as well, especially uh, when they get healthy. All right. Doug, this is always a blast. Thanks for uh, taking us down to the defensive line and talking about some current storylines in the Canadian Football League as well. Hope you're keeping Bob Irving in line. Let's do this again soon. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for having me on, my friend. I'm sorry that my my daughter was pulling me away a little bit during the segment. I hope that wasn't too disruptive, but I really appreciate uh, you having me on, my friend.
No, sounds good. Thank, thanks, Doug. We'll let thanks, Doug buddy. get back to, back to his family there. That's uh, Doug Brown. Yeah, great uh, on the defensive line for the Bombers. Also played a couple of years in the NFL as well. And now he's in the broadcast booth on CJOB. So he didn't give us the exact number, but he said in his prime north of $200,000 was his uh, salary in the Canadian Football League. Uh, big man. I think he uh, caught a few touchdown passes when they threw him in on offense as well. He's always fun to chat with. It is 651. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Yeah, less than a month now until Darnell Nurse and the Oilers hit the ice for training camp. We'll have all the Oilers games for you right here on 630 Chat. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Always a blast to chat with Doug Brown. We'll have more fun in the second hour of the show. We'll catch up with Natea Jay now joining the uh, Argos broadcast booth. Uh, Jay played for Edmonton for a couple of seasons. Uh, it would be good to talk with him. We had the trivia question earlier. Doug was the winner. Who has the most regular season shots on goal in NHL history in the regular season? Now, of course, I did put out there the, 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 spe- the specifics of this question that they didn't start keeping the stat until the 59-60 season. So obviously that rules out some really good players who probably would have shot the puck a lot. Nine players have, uh, have taken over 5,000 shots on goal in their careers. Now, we gave you the top three. Ray Bork is the only guy over 6,000. He has 6,209 shots. He did it in just over 1,600 games. Ovechkin second, Yager third. Now, I should point out, Ovechkin is almost 500 shots behind Bork. If he keeps playing, he'll get there. Well, he just signed the new contract. So I, I would think someday Ovechkin's going to be the shots on goal leader. So it's Bork, Ovechkin, Yager. Marcel Dion is fourth. Phil Esposito is fifth. Right behind him is Al McKinnis. Mike Gartner is seventh. And then the top oiler or ex-oiler on this list, uh, Wayne Gretzky, eighth, 5,088. And then the only other guy with over 5,000 shots, Brendan Shanahan. Uh, Brett Hall is 10th. So Brett Hall shot a lot, didn't quite make it to 5,000, but still t- kind of fun looking this up. Just a random question that came to my mind. Has some really smart guesses. Gordy Howe and Yarmir Yager will a couple of guesses. And then Doug, who won it, was picking between Bork and Ovechkin. So he had the top two. He picked the right guy in Ray Bork. We got the news. We got the weather. Then we have more inside sports. Thanks for checking out the show tonight. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.